welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. It's the story of Jesus Christ taking Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain in the Galilee region. They're they're in the Galilee area. They're north of the Sea of Galilee, between the Sea of Galilee and Caesarea Philippi. And uh, at the top of the mountain, Jesus is transfigured from his earthly glory to his heavenly glory. And that that whole experience is an incredible revelation to Peter, James, and John. While they're up there on the mountain, there's something going on at the foot of the mountain that is rather stunning. There's a demon-possessed boy, and the disciples can't uh, get rid of the demon. So after Jesus has revealed his glory there on the top of the mountain and he and Peter, James and John are on their way back down Uh, this father comes running to Jesus and he is is filled with frustration he's filled with anger and he's going "I, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't do a thing with him And he is frustrated because it was like no one could help. And the boy had been this way for a long time. And as as Jesus encounters him, Jesus says to him an amazing thing. He says, if you believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Think, think about those words. If you believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Now, I, I want to remind you of something. This isn't some out-of-balance, name-it-claim-it preacher on TV. This is the Lord Jesus Christ himself saying to you and I. <clears throat> As well as to this man. God had it recorded in his holy word. Because he wanted you and I to hear this same message. If you believe. All things are possible. To them that believe. Now did you notice he didn't say. Most things. Or some things. But. What did he say? All things are possible. Now, the father's response is so human. He goes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, the father was at a faith crisis. Just like what you and I deal with in our life. His faith was at a point... That he couldn't believe for that big of a miracle. 
He'd been dealing with this boy for years. Maybe you've faced something similar where you've, you've had a child that you know that child has gotten involved in things that's opened a gateway to the demonic in their life and, and you're seeing them struggle with, 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 with strong men of darkness. And, and you're going, man, I don't know. I, I've whooped this child. Well, I can't whoop this child one more time. And, 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 and nothing's bending this child. It's like, it's like something's driving them. Yeah, something is driving them. Maybe you go, I, you know what? I, I, I'm dealing with this situation at work. And it's like it's getting darker and darker and darker. And, and it, it's, it's horrible, the level of darkness that's, that's in our workplace. And it's like, it's like every new employee they bring in has an even more filthy mouth, has an even more evil thought life. Just, it, it's, it's like it just keeps getting darker and darker. There's a gateway open how do you close the gateway? Or maybe it's not that. Maybe you need a miracle in your body. That, that you know what? I've got to have a miracle. I need a miracle. The doctor says there's nothing more they can do. I need a miracle in my life. But your faith is having trouble. You're just struggling. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to put up with this. I guess I'm just going to have to. I guess this is just the way it's going to be. I guess this is just the way it's going to be. I guess, you know, I guess I'm going to have to be, this is just the way the marriage will always be. It's just the way. And, and you've reached that point of giving up. Because like this man, you are saying to the Lord, Lord, I believe you, but my faith isn't that big. I, I cannot get there. Lord, would you help my unbelief? And the answer is yes. Yes, he can he not only can, he will. Amen. He not only can, he will. In fact, there's a very interesting thing. God has given to each of us the personal responsibility to build our faith. And then in those moments when we need a super faith the scripture says the Holy Spirit will give to you the gift of faith. Where God steps in and gives you a supernatural believing. Now, now, here's the interesting thing. Multiple times, Jesus taught about having little faith. In Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about financial resources and he says it's just amazing to me you guys worry about clothes you worry about having enough food you worry about having a house and he said I, really? You think, you think father's not going to make sure that you have what you need? he said look, look around you he said how how many birds do you know that worry about, oh God, am I going to have a nest to land in? He said, they don't, they don't worry about that. He said, how many, how many flowers, how many flowers open up in the morning and they're worried to death if they're going to 
blossom or not. He said, he said, if the, how much more important are you to heavenly father than the flowers of the fields and the birds of the air? How much more important? Oh, you of little faith. Been there? When's the last time you had too much month at the end of your money and you were worried to death? Come on, come on. We all, we all, we all get there. How many, how many of you have gotten word that your company is downsizing and now you're worried to death because you're going to lose your job? And you go, what do I do now? What do I do now? You're not going to, Jesus said, he said, so let me ask you a question. Have you added one inch of growth to your body or one dollar to your bank account by worrying? Would, Would you smile at me? I'm getting really scared right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jesus is saying, little faith. Another time he's talking about, <clears throat> he's talking about the disciples. They're, they're in the middle of the, of, the, of, the, of the Sea of Galilee, going from the east side back to the west side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And a storm comes up. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And, and the, the storm is so great that water's coming in over the gunwales. And, and they're getting worried that they're going to sink. And, and they wake Jesus up and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to sink? And Jesus stands up. He rebukes the storm. And the sea becomes peaceful. And he looks at them and he goes, this is my paraphrase. Ready? Here's my paraphrase. Really? Really, you thought the boat was going to sink? I'm in the boat with you and you thought the boat was going to sink? Let me ask you a question. How easy is it to drown the Son of God? (laughs) Right. But what he says is, he says, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Why are you afraid? But we do that. Our life, it's a storm. Come on, we all hit storms. Our life, it's a storm. We're going, oh God. God, it's never been this bad. Oh, God, I can't handle this one more day. Oh, God, I can't handle this one more day. You promised it would never get too heavy for me. And it is. Oh, God. And, and, and God's up there going, um, really? I live in you and you think you can be destroyed? Have you forgotten have you forgotten? My word says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Nothing can separate you from the living. Have you forgotten? I said, I will never leave you. Or Have you forgotten? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Another time, this, and this is a cool one. I love this. <clears throat> my, my very most favorite character in scripture is Moses. I love Moses. I, and, and I love studying the life. I've, I've done multiple studies of the life of Moses. But another one I like is Peter. He just cracks me up. He's so unfortunately like me. You know, and I could just see myself in many places in Peter's life. Not, I, I, I don't mean I'm like the apostle Peter. I mean, I'm like the guy before he became the apostle Peter. I'm like, I'm like the other Peter. Okay. In, in so many ways. And some of you are too. And I just, and I just love, and, but listen, listen, here's, here's what's really, really cool. Catch this. So, so 
the disciples, again, are on their way from the Golan Heights back to the other side. They're probably headed towards Capernaum, and, uh, which is in the, in the north of the Sea of Galilee. And, and Jesus has, has said, you, you guys go. I got to go pray. And, and he spent the night praying. And then in the middle of the night or like really, really early before daylight in the morning, he comes walking to them on the water. Now, before you get all weird about how, how the disciples should have had faith, because they'd been walking with Jesus quite a while by this time. How many of you, if you were out on the Columbia River pre-dawn, it's still dark out there, and you're, and you're, you're getting your gear ready to put it, and you look, and here comes somebody walking to you on the water. Are you like going to go, hey, cool, got an extra cup of coffee with you? Is that, you're going to go, what in the world, right? Come on, right? And, and, and that's how they are. What in the world? Is this a ghost or what? And they cried to him, and Jesus said, it's me. And Peter, Peter, watch this. Peter goes, well, if it's you, Lord, you tell me to come. Jesus goes, come. Now, I am telling you, I would I would almost be willing to guarantee you that almost everyone in this room would go, no, I'm good. You can come to the boat. <laughs> Not Peter. Man, he throws his feet over the side and he heads to Jesus. He is walking on water. Guys, he's walking on water. That, that just that just amazes me. I, I, just, I, I I've tried to picture my. What would that be like? John, look at this. Can you believe this? I mean, can, you're like, can, can you get a picture? I, it's just amazing. He's walking water, but then he gets his eyes off of Jesus, and he looks at the water. And he goes, "Oh God!" And pfft, he sinks. Come on gets his eyes off of Jesus. And how many times in our life have we been going along really and we get our eyes off of Jesus and now we're in trouble. Come on. And we're crying out to God. Preach. And, we, and, and Jesus goes, oh, you have little faith. Come on, come on. That's why it says in Hebrews, Let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run the race with patience, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't get your eyes off of him. You can't conquer this. Don't get your eyes off of him. You can't conquer this. Don't get your eyes off him. You can't make it. Don't get your eyes off him. Because when you get your eyes off of him and you look at the road, you're going to go, oh God, I could never do this. You're going to... Yep, yep. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? So what what are we talking about? We're talking about, we've got to resource our faith. Our, Our faith can grow. Faith grows. And we can grow our faith. And we, and we have to resource. And let's remind ourselves, first of all, what faith is, okay? Would you uh, read this with me? This is, this is our kind of personal definition of faith, right? Here we go. 
Faith is the absolute assurance and total confidence in the promises of God. It is seeing it already fulfilled and experiencing in your heart the promise of God and answered prayer. It is having the total conviction it will take place even though you cannot see it with the natural eye. Faith. Amen? Amen. Now, that's what faith is. Now, the foundation of that, the foundation of that is found in Hebrews eleven six, right? But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen? We must believe that God is exactly who scripture says he is. He is almighty. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is loving. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is ever present. There will never be a time that God abandons you. There will never be a time he stops loving you. And you go, well, yeah, but I'm a mess up. Well, that's called being human. Now, the cool thing is, is the longer you walk with him and keep your eyes on Jesus, there'll be longer periods of time between the mess up. Hallelujah. And they won't be as big a mess ups, you know. It's kind of like a little kid learning how to hold their bladder and their, their bowels, right? Potty training. I am so glad we don't have any babies in the house. <laughs> when the grandkids started coming along, they go, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Grandpa does not do diapers. If you're going to leave the child with me, you better be home before they need a change. Grandpa doesn't do diapers. I did my diaper thing. (laughs) God has to change a lot of diapers. (laughs) Amen, pastor. He's had to change mine a few times. Maybe recently for you. Okay. But faith grows. See, faith grows. It's interesting because it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God gives to every one of us a measure of faith. Not a measure big enough that you can can leap over tall buildings in a single bound and that you are faster than a speeding bullet. And it doesn't matter how much Krypton the enemy throws at you. You know, it's it's not that, it's not that kind of faith he gives us. He gives us faith to believe him for salvation and that we can become a new creation. And then we stand back and we marvel, God, this is amazing what you've done in my life. Look how you saved me. Look how you changed my life. And God goes right on. Now I want you to start walking on water. And you go, say what? I want you to start walking on water. What? I want you to walk on water. I don't know if I have faith for there. That's why you need to grow your faith. 
Because I want you to learn how to walk on water. I want you to learn how to cast out devils. I want you to learn how to conquer cancer. I want you to learn how to defeat the enemy. I want you to learn how to always be a conqueror. That in me you are more than a conqueror. I want you to learn how to live that kind of a life. So that you're blessed when you get up. You're blessed when you lay down. You're blessed in your house. You're blessed in your business. You're blessed in your kids. You're blessed in your recreation. You are blessed in every area of your life. And when the enemy comes comes against you one way. He, when he gets against you, he absolutely flees before you seven ways. I want you to learn how to be above only and not beneath, to be the head and not the tail. I want you to learn how to live the incredible blessed life because that's what I've called you to. Amen. Wow, that's why Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, In verse 5, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, he talks about adding to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brother kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they will make you that you'll neither be barren or unfruitful. And then he says this, and you will not stumble. How many would like to be like that? I won't ask you how many fell flat on your face this week. We won't, we won't go there. <laughs> we, we do, don't we? Some of you are bold and raised your hand anyway. God bless you. <laughs> Listen, we've got to learn how to add to our faith. But do you know, she says, giving all diligence. You cannot be casual about this. Can, can I spespeak to the men for a minute? Brothers, listen up, because we, we get so busy, and I, I know that. I, I know that. We, we get so busy, and, and, and I've never lived in a community that works as hard as this community. Most, most men in this community, it's 12-hour days, six days a week. It's, it's just crazy. Um, and, and many of you, it's, it's more than that. In fact, maybe most of you, your boss wishes you'd work seven days. But, uh, and ladies, it's so demanding working a job, taking care of the home and taking care of kids. It, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you, 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 you never sleep. Okay. Cause even when you're sleeping, you've got an ear open to hear is a kid crying. It's just, it's, that's just, that's just being, being woman. But in, in our culture now, it's not just being a mama. It's you, you also have to have a career. And most absolutely, most couples absolutely can't, can't live in, in, in our, our nation right now if both aren't working. It's, it's a huge sacrifice to be a, a single income family. It's a huge sacrifice. And God bless those that are because that puts mom in the home. And I want to tell you something. I believe our nation would absolutely totally change if mom got back in the home and we had moms in the home so that those kids had mom there and dad was in the home, not just in the home, bringing home a paycheck, but plugged in and being dad. We would see this nation radically turn if we would see our families come back to the biblical order again. That was a real good spot to give God a cheer right there, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I want to tell you, 
with in in the in the black culture between 80 and 85% of the families have no dad in the home of any kind in the hispanic culture it's 70% and in the caucasian culture we are moving past 60% we're getting near the 65% of our families do not have dad in the home it's huge and I, w- I want to say something to the single moms. You guys are champions. You are amazing. And let me, let me speak to the single dads because we have single dads in our church family as well. It, it is stunning to me. It's stunning to me how dads do it. Work that job and just, it, it's, it's amazing. Okay? Because they're, 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 having, they're, they're having to do something that, that's just totally contrary to their nature. Like it is for, it's, it's for a mom, for a mom raising a boy. How does a mom raise a boy? There's nothing inside your DNA or your wiring that explains to you boy. It's just, it's just, and, and boy is boy and they grow up that way. It's like for a dad raising a girl on his own. There's nothing in there that tells you about girl. Because girls are just completely, they're wired completely differently. And, and it's, not, it's not our culture that makes little girls want to play with dolls or make little boys want to, want to I mean, you, you get a little boy at five years old, it doesn't matter what it is, it will become a gun. <laughs> or a truck. Come on. That's how boys are. Little girls, they're wanting the mother. They're wanting to make nests. They're wanting to, you know, because they're a girl. And for single parents, it's huge. And so how do, you, how do you find time to build your faith too? Listen, I am overwhelmed just being dad, just being mom, just trying to get work done. How do I build my faith too? And the scripture says, but you've got to give it all your diligence. You can't be casual about it. You can't do it when you get time. You have to make the time. You have to grab your schedule and say, I will make time to grow my faith. It may have to be the middle of the night. It may have to be really early in the morning or really late at night. And you do that according to how God created you. God made me a morning person. I I tell you what, it has to be Holy Ghost slapping me in the face for me to get up and build faith at 11 at night. And if it gets the middle of the night, forget it. But I mean, but Holy Spirit does that. I can't tell you how many all night prayer sessions I had when our kids were home. Boy, it was amazing. Holy Spirit would slap me in the face and get me up and say, it is prayer time now. And I'm wide awake. Isn't that amazing? Holy Spirit. But my natural guy, I'm a morning guy. Now, you want to get up? 4.30? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Nine o'clock at night, the shades are closing. Now, for you, it may be the other way around. It may be for you, like, like my daughter-in-law, life Life turns on at nine o'clock at night. She goes, hey, dad. I go, you kidding me? She goes, oh, come on. I go, okay, I'll come on to you, but that means you got to get up with me at 4.30. Uh-uh, okay. She gets it. You're right? But you, you have to be diligent. You make the time. You have to. 
And when you do, you do it eagerly. You do it with passion. You do it with everything you've got and you give God your best. I'm going to build my faith. That's what it means. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Build the resource. So what are the resources? Scripture gives us the resources. We're going to look at one of them this morning. Then next week we're going to look at the other two. One this morning. Found in Romans 10, 16. It's up here on the screen. Would you read it with me? Romans 10, 17. I'm sorry, I said 16. Everyone together? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. It's interesting because that word for hearing there, it means to hear a sound. Faith comes by hearing a sound. Really? Well, what kind of a sound? The word of God. Huh? Faith comes by hearing a sound. Well, what sound? The word of God. Faith comes by letting the word of God talk to you. See, it's interesting because word of God in scripture, there are two Greek words. In John 1, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in most other places, when it refers to the word of God, he uses the Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. Logos means what God has said. So if you've got the Holy Bible, either, either electronically or, or in, in uh, print, that's logos. That's the word of God, logos. But here, when it says, and hearing by the word of God, the apostle Paul did not use the word logos. He used the word harema, H-R-E-M-A, harema. Harema is what God is speaking Lagos, what God has said. Harema, what God is speaking. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that faith comes by hearing the Lagos become Harema. The Word of God speaks to you, it talks to you. You go, oh, come on, the Word of God talking to me. You see, it's, it's understanding that the Holy Scripture is not just literature. The passage of Scripture that Pastor Dave read to us today, out of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I know, I know you've got a book or you've got an electronic book. One of the things I love about, about having it in print as opposed to having it electronically is electronically, it's, it's, it, you, 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 you can't mark it up. This, this, is, this is my new one. This, I, I, I've only had this one a year. And so it's, it's getting there. If, if I were to bring in some of my others off my shelf that I've got, I mean, they're, they're just marked up. I've got notes all over. I've got dates in them. This one has dates in it where the scripture, it jumps off the page at me and it's talking to me that day. I date it and I put a note of what God has said. So it'll remind me what God was saying to me that day. Because the word of God speaks to me. 
And God wants his word to speak to you. It's alive. Listen, the one who wrote this book is still alive. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And your spirit that carried the men along so they could pin it for God. Man did not write this. Almighty God wrote this. 2 Timothy 3.16. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God wrote it. Men just published it for him. God wrote it. Well, how did the men publish it for him? The scripture says that the Holy Spirit literally carried them along. The Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, here's the curious thing about it. Moses wrote according to Moses' culture and his understanding. Daniel wrote according to to his training and, and his political mind. Amos wrote According to, he was, he was a rancher. He raised cattle. So he had that mindset. Peter was a fisherman. The apostle Paul, many, many experts believe the apostle Paul had three doctorate degrees. So he had this brilliant intellectual mind. He wrote according to the way he wrote, which was different from the way Peter wrote, which was different from the way John wrote, which was different from the way that Malachi wrote, which was different from the way that Samuel wrote, which was different from the way that David wrote. Come on. And God, but God would pick them up and he would take their skill. He would take their personality and he would write the word of God according to their scripture and, or, or their literary skill. And they would write. David was a musician. So he didn't write a gospel. He didn't write a letter like the prophets wrote. He wrote songs. David sang the word of God. He wrote songs because he was, he was a musician. I know he was a king and he was a tremendous warrior, but I want to tell you, he was a musician. He was a singer. And the word of God, it says, is profitable. Literally, the word profitable means it will bring benefit to you. It will give you assistance. It will it will bring into your life that which you need. Profitable for doctrine, literally teaching. Teaching. It will teach you. It's the Greek word for teaching. It will teach you what is wrong so that you can understand what's wrong. It'll reveal what's wrong. The word of God will help you understand, oh, that's, that's not how I should be. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I, sh- I ask people often, I go, do you know the seven things God hates? 90% of the time, no. Might be a good idea to find that out, don't you think? I mean, if God hates it and you want to please God, might be a good idea to make sure you're not doing something God hates. Well, that's a good idea. Are you entertaining yourself with stuff God hates? Well, how can I find that? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs chapter 6. These six things God hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Might be a good idea to look that one up. It teaches you what's right. 
God doesn't want to just tell you you're wrong. He wants to show you what's right. He wants to show you the right way. Hallelujah. Thank you. One of the things I discovered as a dad is kids want to please their dad. Did you know that? Kids really do. They want to please their dad. But most of them don't have a clue how to please dad. What would please dad? See, you got to take time to let them know. You got to take time to show them. You got to take time to explain it to them. This really pleases me when you do this. When, when my boy was a typical boy. He wanted to be with dad. He wanted to use dad's tools. But dad kind of had this thing. I'd like to find them after you've used them. Most little boys don't. When they get done, they drop it. Come on. They just drop it. Just, yeah. They don't clean it. They just, they're done. We're done with it. So they drop it. They go, no, 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 no. So I would take, I would show him. Now look, this, this really pleases me. When you, you use the tool, it comes off of that, that hanger right there, right? Put it back on that hanger. That way we'll both know where it's at next time. Don't just drop it on the ground. Sure. And, but being a little boy, guess what he did? He dropped it. So I would take him. I would pick it up. I'd, I'd say, pick it up, pick it up. Okay, this is where it goes. Remember to put it down. Before you put it there, wipe it off and put it there. Oh, okay. That way, that way we both know where it's at again. I'd, I'd show him. And God does that. He will not only tell you what's wrong. He wants to show you what is right. And then it says an instruction in righteousness. And that word instruction is interesting because it is the Greek word for training a child. He wants to train you in how to live righteous, how to be just, how to be honest, how to have integrity in your life. And he will train you. The word of God does that for you. Now. It's not enough to just have that. Listen to what the psalmist said. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it doth he meditate day and night. That man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We have to make the choice of what resources we're going to let govern our life. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. See, they're, they're, I, today the majority of Christians are going by what the scientists say, what the sociologists say, what the psychologists say. What medical research says. What the experts say. The counsel of the ungodly. The talking heads. Most, most conservative Christians get what they think, say, and believe. From Levin, Hannity, Limbaugh, Pags. Or some other talk show host. I'm not saying don't listen to them. But I'm saying to you. You better judge if they're giving you counsel. That is in keeping with the word of God. You, you better throw the bones out. And folks by the way. Can I tell you. The answer is not going to be. In the right side of the aisle. The answer is going to be from almighty God. That's where the answer is going to be. We, 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 we've got to understand 
America has gone so far that our political system will not be able to correct it. It will have to be almighty God bringing a spiritual awakening and a transformation. If we're going to see, if we're going to see our political system turn around, it's going to be because our president and his cabinet and the Congress and the Senate have an empowering transformation from the Holy Spirit of the living God. That's the answer. So if, you're, if, if you are one of those that listens to all the political pundits, you better make sure you're running it through the sieve of the word of God. And, and you might want to listen less there and listen to more here. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner. How much do you let your life be fed out of Hollywood? Out of the computer games? How much time are you letting that which you see on social media feed you and that's determining you. Not the way the center, not the seat of the scornful, but or the seat of the scornful. Folks, listen, it's amazing to me how many now in theological circles are scorning taking this word literally. It grieves me. It, it breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart. Solid, so, what at one time were solid seminaries, what at one time were solid, solid preachers of the gospel of the word. And now they're distorting it. And they're distorting it to fit political correctness. They're distorting it to fit tolerance. They're distorting it to fit our culture. And I want to tell you, the word of God always supersedes culture. It always supersedes culture. The word of God transcends generations. The word of God transcends cultures. Because the word of God was written before anything else existed. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. It was settled before God ever created planet earth. So what what does he say? He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. He finds delight in it. So watch this. And he meditates on it day and night. Now go with me, everyone, to Psalm 63, would you please? It's going to be up here on the screen in case you don't have it. It's in, the, it's in the modern English version. And I wanted to read it to you from mine. So I brought my study Bible. This is what I use each morning when I'm studying. Because, well, just, I told you last week, I love to hear the pages turn. Plus I make notes. And I found when I use a highlighter on my Kindle, it messes everything up. (laughs) Psalm 63. I want to show you how this works. So I want to illustrate for you what we've been talking about this morning as we close today. So the first thing I do is literally, I lay my hands on, I go, God, this is your word. Would you please talk to me today? I'm asking you to speak to me from your word. This is your living word. Talk to me. And 
I'm not kidding you when I tell you I do that every day. And I do that every day because I want to get my ears lined up with Holy Spirit and the Word of God so I can hear God talking. Remember, this Word lives. This Word is living. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And so, I start reading. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. See, I knew it was godly to be up early in the morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and thirsty land with no water. Stop. He is saying, I so long after you. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Be eager. Be passionate. You see, he's talking. He's talking. I've seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. Stop. He not only says, God, I am so longing after you. I passionately long after you. But now he's saying, in God, I see you working. I see you working on Sunday morning. I see you touching lives. I see you making a difference in people's lives. I see how you're working. And God, I want you to know I actively worship you. Do you? Do you? We're talking about building your faith. Do you? My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Stop. He is saying, just as I feed my body on a good prime rib. I'm going to feed my soul. I'm going to feed my soul. Why? Because I'm going to build my faith. I'm going to feed my soul. And when I feed my soul, my faith will grow. And a part of feeding my soul, what am I going to do? Oh, my mouth's going to praise you with joyful lips. Hallelujah. Yes. Hey, by the way, I, I, get, I just get to say, Loretta, I love that new song you introduced. The first song that we sang this morning is a brand new song that she and uh, did, did um, yeah, Michelle helped you write it? Okay. That her and Michelle wrote, and I, don't you love it? What a great new song. Those words are fabulous and the melody is wonderful. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. I'll praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help, therefore the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Look what he's saying. He's saying, Almighty God, I'm going to put myself to sleep each night meditating on your word. It's scripture. So you memorize it during the day and at night you put yourself to sleep meditating on it. How come? Because when you go to sleep meditating on the word of God, remember the word's living and powerful. It's only your body that goes to sleep. Your spirit is still awake. And your spirit is taking that word that you've been meditating on and making it alive. And it's going into your subconscious so that he is cleansing and washing your subconscious. So that your subconscious is going to be in harmony with your conscious. So that you in subconscious and conscious, you are in harmony with almighty God. And your faith grows. 
your faith grows. Almighty God. And then he says, I, I cling hard to you. I am not turning loose. I am not turning loose. I am clinging hard to you. And then he talks about how that the enemies are defeated. Now listen. This is how you build your faith. Because God wants you to move mountains. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.